0: Okay. Hey, everybody, welcome back to episode four. It's kind of like a day of reckoning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> going to face my fears today and talk about what I consider to be the scariest movie ever made. It messed me up for life. I still have some scars and probable mental illness <laughs> because of this movie. It shaped you. It did. It really did. So we're going to talk about it, uh, a little bit of the history behind the book and the making of the film. And I would really love to hear from listeners if you want to email us or reach out to us on social media tell us about your experience with The Exorcist um, what you thought of it when you saw it how old you were did it mess you up did you think it was ridiculous any of the above I would love to hear listener input about that film because you know I can't get enough (laughs) I gotta keep reading about it so before we get into that I would love to hear from Kenzie and Denise What movie really messed you up? If it was The Exorcist, awesome. Tell us about that. Or if it was something else. For me, it was
1: M. Night Shyamalan's Signs. That is a good one. I don't remember exactly how old I was when I first saw it, but I was little. And I guess watching it as an adult now, now I know what to expect. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem as scary. But to me as a kid, the thought of aliens coming to Earth and terrorizing cities and people being afraid it felt so real to me oh yeah and i yeah i was so scared thinking about i was so worried that aliens were gonna come and abduct me and like kill my family i was i remember being very scared for a long time thinking about that after i saw it yeah and what i love about that movie
0: is it seemed so relatable it was this midwest midwest family living on a farm there wasn't a lot of like expensive special effects the movie really built up to small glimpses of the of the aliens yeah. it was more about this in anticipation that the family was having about what they knew was going on in the world and that the the fear just kind of kept building up and building up and then they added that quick scene that was like a news clip Yes. Being filmed yes. from
1: that... Joaquin Phoenix's yeah. character, he's like, you know, they're starting to become obsessed with what's happening as more and more reports about these things are, are coming out. And he's sitting in uh, the little cellar underneath the stairs, sitting in front of the TV, and he's watching this news report, and it's a video from a child's birthday party somewhere in South America, I believe. And, um, the, you know, the kids are like looking outside, they're all... Uh, pointing towards like the back patio and there's like a a bushy area and um all of a sudden you just like see it walk across and and what king of phoenix's character freaks out yeah. and he's like ah! <laughs> that, <laughs> that yes that was like the one part in the movie where i like i was so scared i was like paralyzed with fear yeah it seemed so real it did like it, it did seemed like seem a real so, yes news
0: cast yes yeah. maybe
1: that's why i like found footage films so much oh, now Oh, that could be yeah, yeah. It had it, a very... It shaped you. It did. It had a very yeah. lasting effect on me. Probably started my whole alien... Obsession? obsession oh. and appreciation. Yep. Exactly.
0: Yeah. that That's probably true. That is a fantastic film. Hmm. That's got to be in my favorite horror film trunk or whatever repertoire.
2: Well, I love that movie too, but every time I think of the movie, I think of the scene where Joaquin phoenix is under the steps with the tv but doesn't he have like oh no, <laughs> aluminum, uh,
1: aluminum foil hats? it's hat. him and his niece and nephew yes and they're sitting on the bed uh reading oh. that book that the kid picked That's, up from the library and uh, they've got the tin foil hats tin on their heads and hats. mel gibson walks in on them and they're just like hey <laughs> <laughs> that was great <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah
2: it was it was scary but entertaining you mm-hmm. had to laugh yeah at, but it was What about you? Well, I know before I said that it was the mummy that scared me the most. I was young, you know, so I think that might have had something to do with it. It was my first scary movie. Uh, Any noises I would hear in the attic after that, I would think it's a mummy up there dragging his foot. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it really was The Exorcist. And as we've been talking about it lately, I think I must have blocked it out, how much that movie scared me. Oh, right. Trauma. Uh, it did. It, and I'll be sharing a story, a little story later. But um, it, it really, I read the book. The book was scary. But the movie, that's what, the visual of it, the sounds of it. Um, it was, it's an example for me when the movie
0: was better than the book.
2: Because it just scared me so much more than the book yes. did,
0: not a lot at the time it came out in 1973. I don't think a lot had come out that was that viscerally upsetting right. at that time. Yeah, so it really was very shocking yeah. to many. That's people. That's what made it which more we'll shocking. Talk about too, yeah. yeah. So then, maybe it's genetic. Yeah. The, the, the Exorcist. Yeah, you no. were so
1: <laughs> scarred from it. It was imprinted <laughs> into your DNA. because yes. 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 you were born, right? So, <laughs> I think that might be yeah. it. <laughs>
0: okay. Talking about the film, we know the film is based on um, an excellent book of the same name that came out two years before the movie was released. Uh, and we know the basic premise of the film. But when you hear the title, The Exorcist... What images or thoughts or sounds, like what comes to mind when you hear the title The Exorcist? What about mm. for you, Denise? Well, I
2: think just Reagan when she was in her bedroom mm-hmm. and all the things that she did. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what you're thinking about and how they tried to exorcise her, I um, mean, that's the first images I think of. Okay. What
0: about you, Ken? Do you mean, like, the title, The Exorcist in general? Yeah, like, if uh, someone brings up the name of the movie, what pops into your head? Any lasting images or sounds? or? Um, I mean, I guess
1: I... Because I haven't watched the film all the way through, so I guess I only have, like, just the clips of what I'd seen. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the... Where her face is all like disfigured and she's got like those yellow eyes and that is what I think of. I think the image that pops into my head the most when I hear about
0: that. Yeah, her face is burned into my brain. (laughs) Yeah. Forever. Her head doing the 360. Oh, yeah. yeah. You
2: know.
0: For me, um, I always picture that famous scene, uh, Father Marin getting out of the taxi cab in front of the McNeil home on Prospect Street in Georgetown. It's night. It's rainy and kind of foggy, and there's that classic image of him standing there in the light that's coming down from the window, and he's looking up. That is like when I think of The Exorcist. That image definitely comes to mind, and also the music, uh, tubular oh. bells. Yeah, so definitely the music. Amazing, yeah. That uh, I always kind of hear that in my head when anybody's talking about The Exorcist. So the film itself is made up of several overlapping storylines. We've got the elderly, exhausted Jesuit priest, Father Marin. He is working in northern Iraq at an archaeological site, and he starts to see omens or signs that the devil is going to be presenting himself in some way. And Father Marin recognizes that it will somehow involve him. You can; It's not really said in the movie, but you can tell kind of from his body language that This is devastating to him that he is seeing signs that something bad is going to happen, that the devil is going to be presenting him with some confrontation, and that it's most likely going to involve him. And it's obviously presented differently in the book because there's a lot more detail and imagery that goes into it. I also think he recognizes at that point that it's going to be a bad situation and that he may not survive he may not come out of it but he knows he has no choice he's going to be part of fighting this the devil fighting this demon and also there's a scene where a digger from the archaeological site he finds this small sculpture and he takes it to Marin and it's a statue of the demon Pazuzu and that's another one of the omens or signs that you know something bad is going to be happening and We have the storyline of the younger, kind of rugged Father Karis, also a Jesuit priest. But he is kind of struggling with his faith. Uh, He's caring for his elderly mother. He has a lot going on. He seems like he's kind of lonely, isolated. So we have that storyline. And then the main um, plot line, of course, surrounding Chris McNeil. She's a famous movie star. And she is staying at a rented Georgetown home while she is filming a movie in dc she has a 12 year old daughter reagan who has started playing with the ouija board and i didn't really know that playing with a ouija board alone is apparently a bad thing not that i did that growing up <laughs> but uh, i they... you had a ouija board oh i do I do have one somewhere, packed but away somewhere. didn't you have one when you were younger? Yeah, but I never played with it alone. And ah. they really kind of stressed that in the movie that she got possessed because she was playing with this Ouija board alone. Oh. That's what I took from it anyway. I'm not a Ouija board expert. <laughs> I mean, can you really be one? So her daughter, Reagan, she's been playing with this Ouija board alone, and she's been communicating with a spirit that she has named Captain Howdy. And a bunch of spooky things start to happen around the house, Reagan's not sleeping well. Um, she wakes up at night, tells her mom her bed is shaking, getting in bed with her mom. There's creepy sounds in the attic. Um, she thinks, uh, Chris McNeil thinks there's rats up in the attic. She has the housekeeper put traps up there. All of these kind of really freaky, creepy things are happening, kind of building up to what eventually is going to happen. And also around this time, Reagan's health. Uh, her physical and mental health start to decline, and she starts taking her to see these specialists and physicians trying to identify if there's something wrong with her brain. Does she have a brain tumor? Um, What's the cause for everything that she is experiencing? So things start to get really bad, and in one infamous kind of slash notorious scene, when Chris hears Reagan screaming up in her room... Mom runs up the stairs and finds that her daughter is physically assaulting herself with a crucifix. Chris attempts to stop Reagan, and she herself is physically assaulted by this thing, and she gets bitch slapped by Reagan and she gets thrown to the ground. She kind of goes flying across the room. Reagan's body then begins viciously being tossed around on the bed like a rag doll, and she's kind of flying up and down. You know, it looks torturous. And then this scene culminates with. Reagan's head doing this 180-degree spin, looking back at her mother. And um, I feel sick to my stomach just talking about this movie. I don't think I've talked about it this much in a long time. So that is the the basic premise. And then we see Chris McNeil then is going to seek help from Father Karis. She is recognizing that something is going on here, possibly more than just you know, a psychiatric issue or a brain tumor. She goes right to the church to get help, and Father Karras is kind of hesitant at first, and he's, you know, doesn't think this could be possible. But um, after meeting her, he quickly realizes this is something evil and supernatural going on. They call in the big guns. Father Marin comes in, and then this movie turns into the fight with the demon and exercising the demon out of Reagan. And so we know the story, we know what the movie is about, but I want to talk more about um, how this movie has affected me long-term and other people long, maybe long-term or maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> so this is my kind of backstory uh, with the exorcist. I have a lot of memories of seeing this film as a child and i feel that unfortunately it has a lot to do with some of the anxiety that i experienced at a very young age because i saw this movie way too young and it's not my parents fault because i did not see this movie at my at home i one night was spending the night at a friend's house and we were just kind of chilling and it must have been around october because the exorcist was playing on tv And she was like, Hey, do you want to watch this? And I'm like, yeah. So we were in fifth grade. I was probably 11 at the time. 11 or yeah. 11. If it came out in October and she was like, meh, it's kind of weird. And she thought it was kind of funny or whatever. And I was just transfixed and couldn't take my eyes off of this. (laughs) It was so scary to me. And I remember that Something immediately changed in me after I saw this movie. I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and I couldn't sleep that night. And I remember being so upset. I could not go to sleep. I could not close my eyes. And I wanted to go home. And I wanted her to call my mom and dad to come and pick me up and Aww. take me home. I was just so scared. But it didn't stop. It wasn't, it wasn't like a one-night thing. Yeah. It went on for a few months. And I got to the point where I was actually believing that I was going to get possessed. <gasps> oh. It was terrifying. Oh, I'm like, man. I would picture myself in the summertime while all the kids are outside playing, and there would be me, possessed, <laughs> tied up in the
1: bed. <laughs> and I'm going to go out and join
0: oh, the other kids. There's little Nikki tied to her
2: desk. <laughs> there's that possessed girl in the right?
0: neighborhood. Oh, we got to refill her bucket of holy water. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what I was picturing. I was... yeah and I know I had trouble sleeping and I wanted to sleep with my mom with mom and dad and they're like uh I think you've seen a little bit too much uh, (laughs) of the exorcist lately so it really um it really definitely scarred me and whenever I would close my eyes I would see that nasty face of hers in my head and it was terrible so I was a very anxious kid to begin with going back to when I was like four, I remember having these really strange, irrational fears. And one of them was, <laughs> now we would travel a lot on the Ohio Turnpike to go visit my grandparents. And we would stop at these rest stops that were along the Ohio Turnpike. And this was the first time I was exposed to those automated faucets. You would like touch the button and the water would come out and it would just keep running. Right. And I remember washing my hands one time. I was, f- I was probably four. And Staring at the water, and for some reason, this particular sink, that little contraption or whatever keeps the water running, it must have been broken because it would not shut off. And then all this panic was going in my little brain. This thing is never going to shut off. All the water in the world is going to drain out of this faucet. She couldn't just walk away. No, No, no. And then I thought about that faucet in the car all the way. I mean... So this is how my brain was already warped when I was four years old. And the thing is,
2: you never said anything. No, I internalized everything.
0: I, I kept everything in. And then I developed this irrational fear of tornadoes, convinced that some tornado was going to come wipe us out. But they're pretty rare in northwest Ohio. I mean, they happen once in a while, but not regularly. So, yeah. So I've got the water running out of this one faucet, an Ohio turnpike tornadoes and then the exorcist really topped it all off (laughs) which you know the rest is history but anyway i just want to give you a big hug oh (laughs) no i'm good i'm good because this does have a happy ending really really it does so but the following summer i will never forget this you took us on a family trip to washington dc we always did our family trips in the summertime because my dad was a teacher he had summers off so that was our vacation time We went to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. So I am still struggling with my exorcist trauma because this was just a few months later. And at the time in the American History Museum of the Smithsonian, they had a display or what would you call it? Exhibit that was all devoted to Hollywood memorabilia. They had the ruby slippers there, or at least one pair of Mm -hmm. the ruby slippers. I know there were more than one. They had all different kinds of famous props from movies we were kind of walking through this um, exhibit it was pretty cool and I remember turning a corner and stopping dead in my tracks frozen petrified they had the dummy that was used in the exorcist oh, oh my gosh that set was... up on a bed as part of this exhibit and I I swear to God I almost my mouth went dry oh. <laughs> because now i'm Aww, only 12 my yeah. mouth went dry i'm like it's a sign it's a sign <laughs> i'm still gonna get possessed <laughs> i couldn't believe it and i couldn't tear my eyes away but from she's this thing. following you yes that's what it felt Aww. like so i remember just like looking at it and i'd walk by slowly <laughs> and i could and they kind of had the room set up like she was on the bed the padded bed frame yeah. and the room was like dark and kind of reddish and it was lit up like that and they had her head turned backwards and I could not believe this happened. So yeah, to me at the time, I'm like, this is like a bad omen for me, you know? Yeah. So that just added to my fear. But um, yeah, I wonder where that doll is now. I wonder if there's like, maybe she's still at the Smithsonian.
2: Oh yeah. They have so many things that are just housed and stored. Right.
0: And I haven't been there in years. So I would love to. I would
2: love to go back. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. We should find out though, if
0: it's on display mm-hmm. at all. You know, it's really cool. Universal Studios does this their special Halloween theme park. They decorate. They have haunted houses. uh, They have multiple different haunted houses. And they kind of rotate them out over the years. And they do have this haunted house that's devoted to The Exorcist. And it's set up like you are walking through the house. Oh, my God. Yes. And the different scenes from the film are set up. I don't know if I can make it through you that. Would, have would you? I, I don't probably, know if you could handle it. But that's pretty that's pretty cool that they do that. So. But you kinda wanna do it though, don't I you? kinda of course. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> gotta, wanna do it. You want to scare yourself even more. I love I'm a yeah, I mean I'm addicted to that rush of yeah. fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so over the years, this trauma from this gosh darn film developed into an obsessive love-hate relationship with this film. And I mean, we are talking over the next several decades. I would attempt to watch it years later, thinking that I was over it, you know, no big. When in reality, I was still afraid of the dark into my 20s because of this movie. I kept believing that she's going to show up in my room. That bitch is going to show up in my room. <laughs> you know, you know that thing when you are walking towards your bed and you have to leap to the bed because you don't want something to grab your ankle. Yeah. Is that just me? No, I do that too. (laughs) Yeah. I used to do that a well into my twenties or
1: like you, well at the old house, we had those steps by the front door and every time I would go to go upstairs to go to bed, I would make sure the hall light was on upstairs and then everything else I would, you know, shut the lights off one by one behind me. And then as soon as I got to the last light, switch down by the base of the steps i would dart up the stairs because i was so afraid that something in the dark was lurking is gonna Aww, get me so i would always left the i would on. always
0: sprint up the stairs Aww. was this like when we weren't home
1: or yeah it must have been maybe when i started staying home by myself yeah yeah and it'd be like later at night and going to bed and i was just telling Yeah. yeah
2: okay. you know i think this is going to be like group therapy yeah exactly
0: <laughs> Well, you know, I still, like, when I'm under the blankets and I get really hot, I can't stick my foot no, out to regulate my body. I'm afraid to take it off because yeah. I'm afraid,
1: like, I'll open my eyes and something will be there. Something will start grabbing your foot. Or, like, let's say if I'm, like, under the blanket or I'm, like, you know, curled up in my comforter and if I I get hot... I want to, like, push it down off of me so that my, like, upper body is exposed. Right. I'm afraid that I'm going to pull the
0: covers back and somebody's going to be standing there, like, watching me. (laughs) Oh, that's, yeah, that's super creepy. Yeah. And, I mean, it hasn't happened in all these years, but it still might, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'll be thinking about that tonight. Great. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So, I guess I was trying to do some... Uh, self-exposure therapy and periodically I would try and watch The Exorcist thinking this time I'm not going to be afraid this time it's not going to affect me no I would have nightmares for the next several nights after trying to watch it you just watch like one scene at a time so
1: you can like microdose
0: The Exorcist that's what I should have been doing (laughs) I was just trying to go full bore into it it was just like no um anyway so I feel like I'm a very rational person. Like, I don't really get into horoscopes or superstition. Um, I like, you know, evidence-based science and peer-reviewed journals. And so anyway, so I'm, you know, like I said, very rational person. But there was just still something about this film that um, I couldn't look away from. I couldn't rationalize myself out of the situation. And then I had another, well, kind of encounter with the movie sort of when you were about eight years old, Kens I remember this. yes, we went with Aunt Julie and my nephew. We went to Washington for just the four of us for like a little family trip. We had so much fun and I was like we are gonna go find that house. I knew it was a real place in Georgetown. And I really wanted to go to the steps, those famous exorcist steps that at the end of the film, you know, Father Karras is thrown out the window and he tumbles down, breaks his neck and he passes away. So we went,
1: we went and
0: Yep. Prospect Street
1: climbed up and down those steps several
0: times. We did. Those stairs were like amazing. And what's neat is you're just kind of like, we took a taxi and I gave him some address at the corner of Prospect, and I don't remember what it was. I didn't want to be dropped off right in front of the house because I don't want to make it so obvious. Like, we're tourist. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and someone lives there. This is someone's house. It's this big, beautiful mansion. So we got out. We got. I remember we had the stroller for yes. Mike, Michael. We were going, we're just walking down in the neighborhood trying to look casual. Yeah. <laughs> and it's literally, it's like in a, just a neighborhood. It's real beautiful. Yeah. Um, but then we walked up to the house Oh, that that feeling again well, came back. Is, wasn't
1: it wasn't like an alleyway kind of there's that space where the steps are in between yes. rows of houses and it was a hill,
0: right? Yeah, the the alley with the stairs is to the left of the house, the Prospect House. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I can picture it in my mind. It's
1: very vague memory, but I still yeah, still
0: have that. And since and we discovered since the film came out, whoever You know, at one point when they were living there, they erected this very tall kind of ominous looking black wood fence. And it's very tall. It has a gate. It goes around the front of the property. You can't, you know, you can't walk up to the house. I mean, they probably have people every day, you know, walking by that house just, just because of, you know, it's so famous. And then we weren't the only people I remember going to see the stairs either. There was this other couple. And I remember the wife was like, oh, come on, let's go. Let's go walk them and down. And she was trying to take pictures and he was embarrassed. Her husband was like, no. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll take your picture. I'll take your picture. Oh. So I remember taking a picture of them in front of the <laughs> stairs. And yeah, we had fun. We went up and down those stairs. Yeah, It was so surreal. So surreal being there.
2: So this would be, what, about 30 years after the movie came out?
0: Yeah, Ken's, yeah, you're probably around eight years old. Yeah. Yeah, so that'd be like 2004? Yeah, about there. Wow. Yeah. I remember my nephew was a toddler, but I will never forget. And I don't have the pictures because at the time this was pre-smartphone and we were using disposable cameras. I took a bunch of pictures on disposable cameras, which I know are probably packed away in some Tub somewhere in the basement. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Can we even get those things developed anymore? Yeah. I, can. I think so. I should take Photo that bag and still f- develop them. Oh man, I should yeah, take that take bag a, and yeah. get that. Take them in and they send them out or something if they have to. We got to go back there. We, uh-huh. we definitely have to. I go back there. To go. Oh, so I would love to go. Oh, I would love to go see it. Yeah, we got to take a trip and we'll have like a part two of this sometime in the future. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so we got to see the steps and that was amazing. Still having issues up until. Probably last year, I still couldn't watch the movie. Oh, my gosh. Not afraid of the dark anymore, though. I'm so proud of myself. I could actually, Yeah, I could shut the door and sleep alone, and I, I, I got over that. But it wasn't until October of last year, 2021, I was really getting into, like, audiobooks. And when I was doing projects around the house or cleaning or whatever, I would listen to an audiobook, and I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to read The Exorcist and let's see what happens and I loved the book the book was phenomenal it has a lot of psychiatry in it it goes a lot more in depth trying to you know setting up the scenes and it's so well written and you could kind of you had a picture in your mind of the different scenes because you know seeing the movie beforehand I discovered that after I was done reading it I wasn't afraid anymore Whoa. You, yes. you faced your fear. Yes. It was the craziest thing. It was like gone. I wasn't afraid anymore. It was just so cool. Yeah. I know. So I, reading the book was actually the way that, yep. yeah, like yes. I got rid of that.
2: Facing your fear. Exactly.
1: Maybe it had something to do with the fact that, well, you know, it was being read to you through the the voice performance, but having all that extra detail and like things explained and like you said, the psychiatry of it. So maybe there were some more scientific parts, things that you could easily mm-hmm. uh, register. And also you're not seeing it happening in front of you. You're picturing it in your mind. So it's you're generating the images and, you know, maybe having that more personal viewpoint
0: is what helped you. Yeah, fear. I think I think you're right. I think. That's definitely. And the uh, audio book is read by the author. It's read by William Peter Blatty. And he does such a great job. He's got this really great voice for narration. And you can tell he just adores this book that he wrote. And he just really gets into it. So I recommend highly listening to him read, reading his own book. Um, yeah, it, it was like healing. It was so cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh. If you want to learn more about The Exorcist, there is an excellent limited series podcast called Inside the Exorcist from Wondery. I think it has about seven episodes. Go check it out. It's all about the inspiration for the book and the making of the film. It is excellent. So talking a little bit about the book now. William Peter Blatty published the book in 1971 and it was inspired by actual events uh, in 1949 in Maryland priests of roman catholic church performed a series of exorcisms on an anonymous boy at the time he was dubbed roland doe 14 year old victim alleged victim of demonic possession a lot of the writing that has come out following that not you know a lot of people don't really believe that that's what was going on he was just a troubled kid he actually went on to be very successful. I don't know if he was an engineer or astrophysicist. He worked for NASA as an adult. Yeah. That's crazy. So he was able to put a lot of that behind him, thankfully. Well, good for him. Yeah, so that was the inspiration. Blatty was in... uh, He was in university at Georgetown at the time when this came out. He read about it in 1950. So it wasn't until like 20 years later that he actually started formulating this story based on what he had read, based on these events. And so that's where he came up with the idea. One thing that I really is impressive to me about the film is it is very faithful to the book. It's an excellent interpretation. One big difference that I feel really sets the book apart from the film is that throughout the novel, father Karras always has this lingering doubt that Reagan is possessed by the devil. He never actually fully accepts it. And that's kind of like throughout the film. Because he is a trained psychiatrist himself, which a lot of priests have, you know, training. Uh, They weren't just priests. They went to universities. Some were doctors. You know, he was an MD. He was a psychiatrist. So he just wasn't really ready to accept that she was possessed. That is really played out long term in the book, which I really liked because it really kind of goes into the psychiatry um, a lot more. But in the film, obviously they have, you know, for time's sake... They go straight to oh, she's possessed, you mm-hmm. know, which, you know, understandable because they had to, you know, couldn't make the movie 12 hours long. That being said, all in all, the film is a very faithful adaptation of the book. Blatty even wrote the screenplay and he ended up winning the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay in 1974. So something that um, you may have heard of this, the film is famous for The belief that there was a curse or some dark cloud surrounding the production of the film. It was famously plagued with issue after issue, mishap after mishap, and many spooky, creepy events occurred, leading many crew members to believe that the film set was haunted or cursed. Yeah, exactly. Some of the more notable events, uh, most of the film set burned down at one point. Now, not the house. The house itself on Prospect was used for exterior shots. The interior of the film was recreated on a soundstage in New York. But they recreated the interior to look like the house itself. So you can kind of get an idea of what the house actually looked like on the inside. So most of that set burned down at one point. It was like a bird or something crashed into an electric electrical box oh that, that, yeah. that's such like a freak accident right and we're, there were a lot of things like that that happened on yeah set. like, like what are the
1: odds of something
0: like that happening yeah like lights would burst um electricity wouldn't work i mean there was a bunch of dis- different things the giant pazuzu statue was shipped to hong kong instead of iraq when they were going to do the filming scenes in iraq at the beginning ellen Burstyn broke her coccyx during that crucifixion head spinning scene which held up filming for two weeks Wow! i guess she had to film that over and over and over again oh god yeah like just it took a real toll on her and she had some long-term back injuries because of it they were also way over budget there were deaths of cast family members uh the actor jack Mcgowan, who played burke dennings who was a fictional director in the film he's the director that is directing the chris McNeil movie that she's making movie in the movie he died shortly after filming his scenes. Dang. And Jason Miller's son was run over by a motorcycle on a beach. Oh god. During filming when he was out at the beach one day with his family. Oh. And he ended up in critical condition. He survived. Oh, okay. Uh, but the list goes on and on. This it was famously plagued um, which kind of adds to the creep factor of mm, the film. Mm-hmm. So now when the movie came out it was 1973. It was released across the U.S. and Canada. People just lined up in droves to go and see this film. Some people would go more than once, but it was so shocking to so many people. It's like well documented that there were uh, many people who suffered adverse physical reactions People were fainting in the aisles. They were puking. They were just like, it was so overwhelming. Because I'd never really seen anything like that before. You know, now we have that imagery like thrust in our face all the time. Um, So it, it was getting banned. The Catholic Church was kind of up in arms about it. Oh, I forgot that one thing. At one point on set, they actually had Catholic priests on set blessing the set. Yeah, oh that's true. Oh. Yeah, because they were, yeah, so.
2: Well, with all the things that went on, too, they thought, what can it hurt? Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe they thought they were accidentally
0: bringing up some bad vibes, bad juju. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's possible. Anyway, so some of the imagery was just too much for people, it was too realistic. The scene where Reagan gets these cerebral angiography. Um, and the blood squirts out of her. And I mean, people were like, you know, what's a angiography, they put this tube, like up your, and they inject dye into the vessels that go up up into your brain and then they show up on, um, like an X-ray or a CAT scan. So they can see, are there any like aneurysms or stroke? or Yeah. Okay. And of course, the scene where she violently masturbates with the crucifix, people were having heart attacks. Some people said they had miscarriages because of the film. And then a psychiatric journal published a paper about cinematic neurosis that was triggered by the film. So I guess I would fall under that category. (laughs) (laughs) So, apparently, kids were seeing the film. I don't know if parents just didn't realize. They had to realize what they were getting. With the title, like,
1: The Exorcist.
0: Right, right.
1: Maybe they didn't think it would be as gory as... Because, you know, like you said, nothing of this caliber had been released up until this point. Yeah. Maybe they were expecting just another kind of silly, scary movie. Right. You know. Maybe. Minimal, uh, you know, blood and gore and stuff like that. But then, you know... They were probably in for like, quite the surprise oh, no. when they realized what was actually
0: happening on screen. i traumatized my kid for life. <laughs> so Warner Brothers um, actually gave the film an R rating, but the MPAA ratings board thought that it deserved an X rating. Whoa. Because it was so shocking and too much. They thought it was just too much, but it got the R rating. It didn't get an X rating. Several cities attempted to ban the film and then were preventing children from actually being able to go into the movie theater and see it, which I think is probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there was some controversy surrounding the film um, that it was using subliminal imagery. And if you recall, there are several very fast flash scenes where it's like the, the demon's face and it's just like these quick subliminal messages. Well, they're being accused of trying to, you know, trick people into... I don't know. You they're can like, see like them. like
1: interlaced brains. Right.
0: But it's not so fast that your brain can't process them, which I think that would be more of subliminal. Yeah. It's more suggestive. You can clearly see these images. Yeah. They're, you know, they're fast, but they're not like that fast. And then the 25th anniversary of the film, which what would that have been? 1998? The movie was re-released in kind of like a box set, like a DVD and it had some cool things in it. And I remember a friend of mine getting it and it had some bonus scenes added to it that had been cut from the original film. And one of those bonus scenes is the very now famous, um, spider walk.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that was added later. Yes,
0: that oh, was cut wh- from the original movie. Where she's
2: walking on the ceiling or
0: um where she is like doing she's... a crab walk backwards like she's bent and backwards. She's going she goes down yes. the stairs. Oh, it's really creepy. Gosh. And then she goes down and um she like comes up to I'm confusing the book and the the film now. But there's a part in the book where she does that and she comes up to Chris McNeil's assistant and she like is like licking her leg or something and this is really creepy picture in your head. But anyway, yeah. So that there were some scenes that were added to the film the twenty fifth anniversary re release. And uh that was pretty cool. Um it's hard to believe. It's been almost fifty years. Fifty years next year. Whoa. About there'll be a lot of fanfare. Absolutely. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're going to have to go to that. Um, I also recently heard, this is pretty cool, there is a new movie coming out with some of the original cast. Ellen Burstyn is going to be in it. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure if Linda Blair will be in it, but she better be.
2: Yeah. Now, I know there were a couple, Exorcist 2 and 3, right?
0: Yeah, there was um, Exorcist 3, which was actually pretty good. That was a very scary film. Uh, The second one... The heretic was pretty ridiculous. I I was not a that you would laugh at. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, um, I haven't seen the other two, so I just wondered if they were obviously the second one isn't,
0: but so you, Mom, actually were one of the original audience members in nineteen seventy three. I was. Tell us about your experience seeing that film for the first time.
2: Well, it was the talk. Everybody was talking about the film. And one of the things was they talked about how people were getting sick and vomiting in the in the uh, aisles, mm-hmm. um, and that there were subliminal messages. I mean, really, I remember hearing all that stuff. So we had some friends that wanted to go see it at the midnight showing. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. And so we we got a babysitter. I um, know our daughter was about three then. I think two, maybe two or three. And we, we decided to go to the midnight show. So we went to the midnight show, and it was very scary. I, I remember, it, and it affected me, like it affected you for years. Um, I came home, and I was like stunned. Like I was in this state. I can't exactly describe it. Mm. Came home, we had to take the babysitter home. Poor babysitter. We're taking him home like at 3.30 in the morning. And I didn't want to go Outside in the car and drive back by myself. I was too scared to take the babysitter home, oh. so I stayed in our apartment. And I went in to check to see how Julie was doing, and you know she would be in a. I think she was still in her crib at that point. And I went to open the door, and it was locked. It was locked from the inside. Oh. Oh, oh my gosh! And right away, I'd just seen the movie. The door is locked. I knew there was a demon on the oh, other yeah, side. you <laughs> God. You do, and I just yeah. had to get to my little girl. Well, fortunately, I, you could stick a little, like, pin in to mm-hmm. open the door from the outside, oh. and she was fine, but, um... How did it get locked from the inside? We'll never
0: know. Oh, that is... Oh. It was the
1: babysitter. It was the she was, possessed. <laughs> she, she was
0: possessed. She's true, Or she's really trying to mess with you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, that could be. But, you know, when you talk about uh, something affecting you for a long time, that movie affected me for a long time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was older when I saw it than you. I was in my early 20s. But um, I remember I didn't like to go down. It wasn't so much the dark, but, like, into rooms or down hallways. And just anytime it was quiet. Yeah, she was going to jump out and get you. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or I just thought there was going to be a demon there. Yeah, I, I think I was more afraid of the demon at that point mm-hmm. than I was uh, Reagan. Mm-hmm. So um, it affected me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then now going over this stuff, I'm starting to feel that weirdness again. Oh, you know? no, I hope you no. don't
0: have nightmares <laughs> tonight. I'll probably go home and have a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenzie, you said, I didn't realize you hadn't seen the whole film. You've only seen bits and pieces no, of it. I remember... <sighs> How old were you when you saw it, would you say?
1: Young, maybe preteen, maybe a little bit younger than that. But I remember I had a friend over, or I had stayed over at her house. And it was like, you know, in the morning, we're just kind of doing whatever. And, you know, we're waiting to be picked up or something. And we were like, oh, let's watch a movie. Oh, The Exorcist. Ha, ha, scary movie. And we were like watching it. And it was like the beginning, kind of leading up to like the first Uh, like happenings of her being possessed or whatever. We're like, this is boring. So we skipped ahead to like all the action, and she's like, you know, being thrown around, and we're like, ah, like we were laughing so hard, we thought it was the funniest thing we had ever seen in our lives. (laughs) And I remember at some point, like I knew that this film scared you. You must have told me about it at some point, and I was like, I can't believe my mother's afraid of this. (laughs) Aw,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. but I don't know. I mean, maybe because I. We skipped so much of the exposition. Right. I didn't get the all of build that up. build up. Yeah. And you know, maybe now if I watched it again I would feel differently about oh, yeah. it. But oh, yeah. I just remember yeah. thinking it was watched so it ridiculous. Yeah. Screen.
0: And you watched it during the day. Yeah. Like yeah, with your jammies like, on. <laughs> and you were like oh. eating pancakes. <laughs> right, right. So we've got to set the scene. It's gotta be dark, big screen, quiet. Yeah, yeah. Thunderstorm. Oh you know, perfect. It's gotta be the perfect night. You're gonna watch it and you're gonna be terrified. You better be. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> so, I think we're going to have to do this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we're going
2: to have to get the to movie or, or find it streaming mm-hmm. and set it up. Wait for a stormy night. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I'm there. I'm ready. So, that is a brief look at The Exorcist. Um, I would love to hear more from anybody listening. Email us, uh, reach out to us on social media, and tell us about your experience with the film. Uh, so, if you would like to contact us on social media,
1: you can shoot us a message at our Gmail, sp- spooktacularnowpodcast Now Podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Spooktacular Now or on Twitter at Spooktacular Now.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.